Guys, guess what? I'm still here. Let's cut to the chase, shall we? On today's show, I have a great interview with Karen Wetlaufer. Karen is a metalsmith from Paris, Ontario. I had the pleasure of talking with her in her studio a few days ago. I learned quite a bit, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as I did participating in it. Can you please, Karen, tell me a bit about your journey into the world of art, how you became an artist? How I became an artist? Um, well, I think I've, I've always loved art. I feel like I've always been creative. Mm -hmm. um, as a child, I, I loved to play dress up and imagine plays and I'm an only child so are you there you go so I'm an only <laughs> child so I had lots of imaginary friends and I was always creating these little situations you know of, of um, tea parties or you know houses or whatever and and I just I've always had that sort of creative flair when I was little and then when I started to go to school um, I loved art class um, I through high school I took art all the way through and when I graduated high school my first in my first college experience was um, for theater so I went to okay. theater school for two years two and a half years I guess and then um, I worked I worked in theater for about two years mm -hmm. and I had a chance I had an opportunity to go to um, to England and I lived there for um, about nine months and I even though when I was in theater school I sort of did the acting stream of it mm -hmm. we all we had to do everything we had to do costumes and props and you know front stage and all that stuff but I always sort of thought I wanted to be an actress mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but what I discovered when I went to theater school mm -hmm. was that I enjoyed prop making and and um, um, scenic painting almost mm. as much or more than I did the acting. Okay. And then when I went to England, um, we lived in Surrey, and, and it was just south of London, and this lovely little town that actually had many artisans in it, and one of them was a goldsmith. And I would go into his shop, which was just this tiny little hole in the wall, and he made the most incredible things from this tiny little jewelry bench. And so I, every time I'd have to go to town to get something, I would I would stop in and say hi and talk to him and and um, and he inspired me when I came back home to take a look and see what was out there because I knew I didn't want to do theater I knew I that wasn't going to be my thing mm -hmm. um, and I had to do something so um, I applied at Sheridan and at George Brown and at um, OCA and I was accepted everywhere but I decided I wanted to go to George Brown because they had a really good program and they had very high results for um, job placement afterwards. So that's um, that's how the jewelry thing started and it's just gone on from there. What drew you to working with metal specifically as opposed to, I don't know, wood or... Yeah, anything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's also a good question. I guess it was, like I said, you know, like the, the three-dimensional side of art is different than like two-dimensional, right? Like through school, you know, you paint, you draw, you know, and that's also part of jewelry making, um, you know, drawing or sketching. But the 
manipulating a material to me mm -hmm. is I mean that's where I really get excited like that's you mm -hmm. know that's that just seems to be what what fills me up so that three-dimensional process and metal is um, especially precious metals are very different than um, like iron or you know the ferrous metals because you can with with precious metals like gold and silver you can cold work them, what's called cold working, which means you don't have to heat it up while you're hammering it or bending it or sawing it. Okay. You can take a, a flat sheet of metal and you can cut it out with a saw and you can bend it with pliers or you can shape it with a hammer or, you know, there's dapping blocks and various things. Mm -hmm. It eventually gets hard and brittle, but you can make it soft again by just heating it to a specific temperature mm -hmm. and then it becomes malleable again and then you continue to work it. So that's different than like a, like a uh, blacksmith who has to stick the, the iron in the fire, mm -hmm. right? And, and bring it out while it's glowing hot and, and bang it because iron is a very different material than, than what silver and gold is. So I think that part of it appealed to me because it's taking something flat mm -hmm. and, and, um, and changing it into this three-dimensional thing. Okay. Yeah. So you're working with metal sculptures, and well, not metal sculptures. You're working specifically with jewelry. Yeah. I had wondered what drew you to do jewelry and making such intricate designs, tiny as opposed things, to, as opposed to a big, yeah, like big things. Mm. Yeah, and that's a good question too, right? So I think when I was in school, we we for jewelry school we did learn many disciplines so that we could decide by third year you know sort of what vein you wanted to go off mm -hmm. in and larger vessels making larger vessels like bowls and teapots or bigger bigger sculptural things is yes. is called um silversmithing okay um and then doing the small jewelry or smaller pieces is, go is goldsmithing these are the traditional terms for mm -hmm. it um and i guess it was just and we had to try everything um the silversmithing at that time didn't really appeal to me as much as the intricacy of jewelry and I've always loved jewelry too like mm -hmm. ever since I was little part of that whole play thing was like my mother's or my grandmother's jewels and you know like you oh. know their fake stuff but you know I just thought it was like the best thing in the world right <laughs> um so I've always loved jewelry so I think that that sort of love of um small beautiful things kind of led me down that goldsmithing path now, however, that, you know, I've, I've gone through, um, you know, years of making jewelry and, you know, doing other things in my life, I think I, I am interested in learning or going back to maybe learning more about bigger pieces, okay. too, because one of the things that's happened since um, I've left school and got back into it and, and, you know, my earlier career is that there is new materials, so many more new materials and techniques have come about in, mm -hmm. in that, you know, 15 year time period, right? Um, one of them is metal clay, which I'm using hmm. predominantly now. Um, so what that is, it's finely ground metal. Um, it started with silver, pure silver, uh, Mitsubishi company made it. Oh. And it was a byproduct from their car manufacturing, interestingly hmm. enough. So they, they, as part of the byproduct of making cars, they have, um, they have pure metals that they would just used to send to the smelter and get like half back on what they had spent on it originally. So they challenged their um, laboratory to come up with a product 
with their scrap pure metals so that they could make money on it instead of losing money on it. So um, innovatively, they came up with metal clay. So they take finely ground pure metals, mm-hmm. put a natural cellulose with it, which is just like a, a pure plant cellulose paper matter, um, and water. And, in, and if you imagine that, it's just, it becomes like clay, like, a, like clay, like plasticine. And they package it and they sell it. And then mm-hmm. you, um, that way you can roll it out, you can imprint it, you can bend it, you can shape it, you dry it like traditional clay, and then it goes into a kiln, and all of that cellulose binder and water burns off, and the mm-hmm. metal fuses together, and you're left with the pure metal in the shape that you've made it. It shrinks at about 30%, okay. but, but to me that was fascinating like you know because it's so different than taking a hard piece of metal and having to cut it and shape it and bend it and solder it and you know which I still love Mm -hmm. but this metal clay was like almost like play right because it's like you roll out this metal and you Mm -hmm. can stamp it and press it and if you don't like it you can mush it back up again it <laughs> sounds like play-doh you can start it kind of is yeah it's expensive play-doh but it's play-doh <laughs> yeah 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 so um so i took a, cl- a class for that to a course for that to learn about it and um, i started using it silver clay and then i heard about another woman because this was this all only has been developing over the last 10 years mm. so then i heard about another woman from california who was developing um of non-precious metal clays so mm-hmm. bronze and copper and steel and um, and I found like it was one of those serendipity things the day that I was looking and reading about her um, I found out she was coming to teach in Canada and I thought oh, well that's gonna be like on the West Coast or something because she's from California no it was just outside of Guelph and there was one space left and I got to take the course and you know so which was fantastic her name mm-hmm. was had her name is Hadar Jacobson and she developed all of these clays herself she has a chemistry background uh, but she's also an artist mm-hmm. and that was just like mind-opening to me um, she was a very good teacher and you know her clays the benefit of it is um, they come in their powdered form mm-hmm. and then you can add your own you add the water to them so they don't when you buy the clay with the water in it already, like the, the um, silver clay, it has a bit of a shelf life. It can, oh, it, it can, it can dry out, right? Whereas the powders don't. But I mean, there's just then so many more um, different colors and opportunities. They're more difficult to work with, the, the non-precious metal ones, because it's, this is a lot of explaining, but te- technical stuff. But mm-hmm. um, silver clay, because it's pure metal, mm-hmm. it can go into the kiln, it fires just sitting on the shelf, no problem comes out and it's beautiful and shiny and bright silver with um, non-precious metal clays like coppers and bronzes and, and steels they need a they need an oxygen reduced environment in order to fuse if there's oxygen okay. there they'll like you know how iron rusts when yes. it sits out they won't fuse It'll together be because that they just won't so um, it's a much different process in the kiln. It has to be buried in a carbon um, carbon granules so that there's no oxygen getting at it. Mm-hmm. And then it's a slow staging process and it doesn't always work. And every kiln, you know, like there's a lot of variables, but if when it does work, and I've gotten pretty good at mm-hmm. like knowing the process now, um, it's awesome because it, you end up with steel, you know, that <laughs> used to be, that used to be like, yeah, squishy. 
and it's like like literally, you know, like you can do you can do anything. So I like I love natural stuff. So mm -hmm. I take like I take like twigs and things, and oh. I make I'll make a mold out of the twig, oh, and then okay. I put the clay in, mm -hmm. and then out comes a steel branch. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Isn't that cool? Yes. So this is going to be, this is actually going to be, um, you can see the little slit that I cut there. Okay. Can you see that? Yes. So a tang, like a, the tang of a spoon is going to go in. And I'm, this, is, this will be the handle for a little spoon. So this is part of like the bigger kind of different yes. stuff, right? Like it's not, this isn't huge, but different things like I want to make, right? Like I really... I want to make more than just jewelry, like, it, and it's, mm -hmm. you know, I, metal things like knives and spoons and decorative pieces and small bowls. I've been making, I don't have one here, but I've been making tiny little salt cellars that are um, based on milkweed pods. Oh, okay. So, because like I said, I love, I love natural stuff, right? So I'll take, this is a new milkweed pot I just picked up the other day and it's just starting to open up. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen one of those Aren't they so beautiful? Long. They're yes. just so beautiful. And this was closed, of course, when I picked it. And then, now it's just starting to dry out. But then I'll, I'll mold this and mm. then I'll put, I'll probably put copper clay in here and then um, it will become this little vessel that almost looks like a, you know, exactly this shape. Mm -hmm. And then you put salt in, and they're amazing because this little tip, when you put it on the table, ra rather than pinching it, you can just pick it up and just tap, 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 and just a grain or two comes out at a time. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, slightly bigger things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And who knows? Who knows in the future? <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm just intrigued by what, everything that you've said because it sounds like your discipline, like it, it combines art and the chemistry and all these nerdy bits of things. Yeah, so yeah, it does. Amazing. And maybe that's uh, you know maybe that's the other thing about it too. And actually, that's you know I think that's true for me is that I've always being an only child. Um, my dad was. Um, he, he was an entrepreneur and he was, a, he was, I mean, like kind of a jack of all trades. And, and because I was an only child, I always sort of like, would ha I mean, I love hanging out with my dad, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was always very hands-on. We were building things. We were planting things. We were making things. We, you know, but he was a technical guy too. He was a radio and TV um, technologist in the day of when people were just buying their first televisions. Okay. You know, so I think... I come by that honestly and mm -hmm. that whole sort of rounded approach to work and life and everything is like really does intrigue me so I think you know jewelry is very much like that because even though you end up with this very pretty possibly fragile thing you know sometimes it doesn't begin that way I mean it's very it is technical there's science behind it there's mm -hmm. you know there's um there's math behind it, okay. right? You know, but it is, it is a very creative process, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Cool. I think I like cooking for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> baking, I like baking yeah, too. Yeah, yes. yeah, but it, see, baking is a science. It mm -hmm. is. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's fabulous. It's creative. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if you don't get your measurements and your ingredients right or your temperature right, I mean, it's a big flop, isn't it? So, yeah. What is what? Okay, what's your process for making a piece of jewelry from design to finished products? Well, I think it depends on whether what I'm making. Um, so if it's traditional bench work, 
which which is the hard metal that I start with, or if, it, if it's metal clay, or I also do enameling, which is also quite different. Okay. Um, so why don't you choose one of those, and I'll tell you the process. <laughs> how about how about bench work? And you maybe can tell me what bench work means. Okay, so exactly. bench so bench work so what so traditional goldsmithing like okay. like what I learned in school. So this is what I learned in school. Mm-hmm. Um, as a goldsmith, you sit at a jewelry bench, and this is my jewelry bench, mm-hmm. um, which I'm proud to say I made myself. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you take um, so this is a. This is bench work because you're sitting at a bench um, working on the piece. And I mean, you use other equipment in the mm-hmm. process. Um, but I think, you know, whether it is bench work or, or um, metal clay or even enameling, I think, you know, the first step in the process is an idea. You know, yes. it's an idea in, in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get my ideas from things I see or from experiences I have or... I mean, it can almost be anything. I have so many ideas. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like I, I, I can't I can't make all of my ideas. So I, I, I tend to, um, I have a little sketchbook I keep with me yes. all the time, and I'll just do a quick sketch if I have an idea. The stuff pops in. Like, once you start a process, I think it's probably true for anybody who's creative, um, stuff pops into your head. Like, about, yes. oh, it could be better this way, or I could make a fastener that way, or this could go together in this way, or, you know, so, so all of those things. But for a piece... Sometimes it starts with an idea, and I know exactly what I want it to be. Like, oh, the complete idea for a ring will be there, for example. So then I would decide, um, you know, thickness of material, what materials. I'd start cutting and shaping and and soldering it together. That's on the bench. If you're joining metal into a ring shape, you Mm -hmm. have to first cut it and shape it, and then you solder it with a torch. Um, which is a little bit different than welding um, because you're not melting the metal itself, you're melting the solder that joins the two pieces together. And then, you know, whether you're putting a stone on it or, or whatever, you just complete, you complete that design phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that in the beginning, mm-hmm. in school, I would do very detailed drawings of exactly what I wanted to make and right down to the very finest measurement and you would replicate that. I think, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but but now I tend, I, I'll, I'll do a sketch, mm-hmm. um, but I like the organic process of knowing what I'm doing and if the design changes a little bit just because of what's happening at the bench or happening with working with the clay, then that's fine. I trust my intuition and I, and I just go with that, you know? And sometimes, I mean, I, I mean, that, I think that's all part of it. It's like cooking, right? When you start cooking, you cook from recipes. Yeah. Because you don't know what goes together and what doesn't go together or mm-hmm. how you're supposed to get from point A to point B and yes. have edible food at the end. Right. And I think it's the same with it, with any kind of, um, discipline like that's complicated when you reach a certain point in cooking you don't need the recipe books anymore Mm -hmm. because you know all of the flavors and things that go together and you develop different combinations and it's delicious and sometimes sometimes it's not so delicious (laughs) right but I think it's the same I think it's the same with um for me anyway it's the same with with what I make I love I really love the freedom of that organic process. And I think that um, 
one of the reasons why I one of the reasons why I left it the first time was because um, I was doing the, the, probably seventy five percent of my time was being spent doing commissions for people, okay. and twenty five percent was actually making what I wanted to make. And I mean, it, and it's money, and I needed the money, and you know, it's a job, and but it wasn't fulfilling me creatively anymore because okay. when you do a commission. Um, there, regardless of whether it's something that in the line of what maybe you would, your style, yes. there's still the onus of what that person wants. Mm -hmm. And most commissions or commissions that I accepted weren't even really jewelry that I would necessarily design. Like, oh. you know, it, like, you know, they give you a stone or they give you something to melt down. And I mean, you know, it's so it's, you're doing bench work and you're, working and you're making money but it's for me it just wasn't creatively fulfilling so that was part of the reason why I got out of it and, and took the other job and it was I'm going way off topic now but um, when um, when I decided that I wanted to get back into doing something creative again um, I didn't start with Julie oh what did you start with um, I took a painting class mm -hmm. um, I joined a, a group in Waterford who was doing something with the agricultural museum down there, and I, I think I was, I think I was afraid. I think I was afraid that I couldn't do it anymore, or that I'd end up right back in the same place again, or I don't know. Like you know, like when you leave something that means so much to you, and mm -hmm. then you come back to it. Sometimes you have to come at it from the side. <laughs> As opposed uh, to like head on. I mean, for okay. me anyway, I did, right? I just needed to get, feel good in my creativity again. So, and that was all good because I got to the painting class and I had fun, but I'm like, whoa, I'm definitely not a painter. <laughs> right? It was that three-dimensional thing. And I, you know, I took um, a stained glass class mm -hmm. and that was like super frustrating for me. Even though I can sit here and be for like eight hours and I'm meticulously doing something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cutting glass and putting it together with that, with like, there was just no way. Like, just shoot me, <laughs> just shoot me now, because I still have it, I, I finished it, but it was like, this is not what I want to do. What do you enjoy the most? What do you find most fulfilling? Or oh boy, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. You can one. mention as many things as you like, I don't care. What do I enjoy the most? I think I, I, think I, do, I enjoy that freedom. That freedom of design and um, discovery in in that organic process of 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 an idea. It starts with an idea, and then it can change and morph as you work through the making of it. Mm. That's what I enjoy the most. That's when I get. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard other creatives say this, that when you lose, when time just disappears, okay, that's when you know that you're in that zone where mm -hmm. you should be, because that's where, that's where, that's that beautiful cycle of it's flowing out of you, and then all of that good is just flowing right back into you, and it's coming out of you again, right? Like, that's, for me, that's the true essence of being a creative being like no matter what you do 
Like yeah. whether you, I think we're all creative beings, by the mm-hmm. way. Like I don't see any sort of, you know, whatever you do, it's a creative process. So from that's when I get in that zone, when I can just do. If you weren't an artist, what do you think you'd want to do instead? Oh boy. Let's see, I'm at the opposite end. I'm something else. Well, you know, I am an artist, but I really want to do this full time. So that's really all I want to be. Okay. Well, I just want to. Yes. I just want to do this. Yeah. Like I, it's so hard. Like now, like it's funny because when my studio was downstairs, and I mean I loved my studio downstairs, but it was this tiny little room, and you know, it had like a tiny little window, and and now that I have this, yes, and I'm up here like the whole weekend, and then on Monday I have to go to my day job. It's like, I don't want to go there. I just want to stay here. Like, you know, like, boo, 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 right? So, you know, I, Was there this anything? is really, really anything all I ever? wanted, you know, anything ever that I wanted to be other than, other than a metal smith? Oh, I'm sure there was. Like, you know, like, <laughs> at some point, I'm sure there was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if I could, I, um, I could, I could, I would like to be an archaeologist. Hmm. I think I, I think that would be something that would be very, very interesting because yes. I love to travel. I love other cultures. I love, you know, like I would love to. That's sort of dis- that's a, like a discovery thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd love to be an explorer and. Which is kind of like an archaeologist, mm-hmm. too, I it guess, is. right? Right, and and discover things, and um, I think I would, I could be a pilot, too. Oh, that's interesting. Not now, but at some point, I have mm-hmm. this whole flying thing. I really like to fly. Mm-hmm. So the closest to that would be a plane, <laughs> unless I could turn into a bird. <laughs> a bird. Yeah. Well, see. Oh. <laughs> the birds are free. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing, no big longing though. No, okay. I mean I've always, I've always really felt at home in some kind of creative role, and I mean, that's shifted and changed too, right? It went from theater to, you know, being a mother is creative. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I think that's, you know. That is well, and that is creation. I mean, you're creating this little, this, this other human being, right? I mean, that I loved being a mom, and I still am a mom, but I loved that part of my life too, and and um, and the nurturing of it. I love to cook, but I would never want to be a chef because that's way too much pressure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Way too much pressure. So no, I just, I just, I just want to do this. That's what I want to do. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I'll get there. Yes, you will. I'll get there for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone who's interested in metalwork and jewelry making, but did not know where to begin? Oh, well, there's so many other ways now to find things out. I, you know, I would encourage them to. Um, I would encourage them to talk to other people. I mm-hmm. think that um, to talk to metalsmiths. I, there's so many great online forums now. I mean, I'm part. I'm part of a, a few of them. Like, and that's that's the other fabulous thing about the internet is that, I I, I talk to people in Australia and the mm-hmm. UK and you know like, that just wasn't around when I was 
younger and in school, right, or trying to go to school. So I'd say, you know, learn as much as you can about it, but you really need to get out there and, and talk to somebody and take some classes. I mean, there's, there's lots of just part-time classes or a few courses that you could take to, to see if it is your thing, mm-hmm. you know, to see if you do like it. And there's so many disciplines of it as well. I mean, the sky's the limit, right? I mean, yeah. there's, you know, there's, there's goldsmithing, there's silversmithing, there's iron work, there's gem setting. You know, there's so many different facets of, of what metal work is. You know, like enameling, metal clay. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. So, that's exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's great schools, too. Like in Ontario, there, there are still very, very good schools that if, if you decide that that's what you want to do, I would always, I would always encourage somebody to go to school and study because you get, um, you know, you get this concentrated effort of people and, and, um, and wisdom of, of instructors who have worked in the business and who are now teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the group, you know, being part of a class that's all working on similar projects, you get that, you know, you, you feed off of each other, you become mm-hmm. part of a collective, you, you know, that's, that's a great environment to be in. And that's different than apprenticing with one person, I think. Because, I, you know, there's not... I mean, we don't do apprenticeship programs here like Europe does. Uh-huh. But, I mean, you know, it's probably possible to approach a, you know, a, a jeweler or, or somebody who has a bigger shop and, and work with them and train under them. Mm-hmm. But then you only get that one person's perspective. Yes, exactly. Right? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's just maybe not your first thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, like... When you're exposed to a variety of influences, there's that give and take of information, and you can pick and choose what to take in and what yeah. to die. You get a little sampling, like if they, and I'm assuming they still do it the same way, but you kind of get a little sampling of all of those different disciplines within the, you know, the big bubble of metal metal work, and and then you can figure out like what you know what lights your fire, like what turns you on, what is it, what is it that that you really are gravitating towards, and um, mm-hmm. and sort of go with that and trust that. And that can change, like, you know, as you go along too, but that's, that's also okay. Yeah. I mean, and part of me, I would love, I would actually love to go back to school, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to have the time to take a course, even like, you know, not, not necessarily full time, but to take a course that is like, um, like a three month course or a half year course where you are going every day, okay. you know, where you're learning a different discipline. I would love to do that. I was going to ask you if you'd ever want to teach, given your background and the experience that you have. Yeah, I, a lot of people ask me that. Right now, I don't feel that, but I think that's just because I don't have the time right now. Like, mm-hmm. any, any time that I have here in the studio is, is so small compared to, like, all of my time that I really feel I just need the time for me to do what I want and mm-hmm. not, not to spend the time teaching someone else. But that, okay. might, but that might come. Mm-hmm. Um, I have taught before. Um, I work, when, I, when I graduated in Toronto from George Brown, I was working at um, Harborfront Studios down on, on the lakefront. Yeah. Um, in the, I, I got a scholarship to work in the metal studio there oh. for a summer. And part of the mandate of Harborfront is teaching. Mm-hmm. So um, we, would, we would do like um, day courses for people who wanted to learn how to make a silver ring or whatever. So, and that was fun, but we did it as a collective. Like there was, 
four or five jewelers working there at the time. And when we had classes like that, there would be at least two or three of us with a group of like 10 students so that, you know, you've got enough people to be mentoring that many people at a, at a time. And I mean, that was fine. I mean, it was fresh out of school. So the whole teaching, how you do things, this is the proper way to do things. I mean, that's very fresh. Um, and I can see I would probably maybe want to do that at some point too, but it's just not now. Okay. Yeah, it's just not now. Cool. I want to know what is next for you as an artist? We talked a bit uh, earlier before I even started recording about you have a day job and you're balancing that with this. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me what your plans are. What my plans are, my grand scheme. Yes. Um, my grand scheme. <laughs> Um, well, I, I hope that within the next two years I can transition into being here full-time. That mm -hmm. That's my goal. Um, and I obviously need my husband's support to do that. And, okay. you know, he is supportive. He's a little fearful of, of that mm -hmm. whole thing. But, you know, he's a corporate guy and he loves his job. And he's, he's just beginning to fully understand and discover this side of me because he's never known that, right? Oh, okay. Because we met corporately. Mm -hmm. yes. And 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 it's been uh, it's it's lovely to see the discovery, like those looks of whoa on his face because he's never seen this side of okay. of me, right? Of of the metal working side of me. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit when like when we got married, I made our wedding rings, you know, oh, but it wow. wasn't, but it wasn't, you know, like day in, day out or, you know, being part of a tour or being part of Christmas in Paris last year, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that was a big eye opener for him. Like he was right there along with me. We, we changed this area into the gallery space and we had Christmas in Paris. We were part of the Christmas in Paris thing last year and mm -hmm. had other artisans here in the space. And he was overwhelmed with the reaction to what I was doing and what mm -hmm. I was making and uh, you know and it, it's not like he doubted that I would sell things or people wouldn't like things he just he, he just didn't, didn't he wasn't aware it. he just didn't connect it right mm -hmm. and he's like wow you know and and he loves coming up here and seeing what I've made and seeing what I've done and mm -hmm. and you know he's inspired by it and he, he says I don't know how you do this but it's really cool so it, it's I think it's just a it's a transitional time right now and it's a transition for him and it's a transition for me and if I really want it I just I have to I have to push that transition. I can't sit back. And I think I've I've realized that, you know, mm -hmm. over the last year or so. It's been a it's been kind of a five year thing for me. Five years ago I really started yearning to do that create something creative again and that started those classes like you talked about. And you know, so here I am for two years dedicated, this was this is what I wanna do again. Mm -hmm. Um so if this is really what I wanna do again, then yeah. I have to make it happen. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's that, Kitty Cats. If you're looking for Karen Wetlaufer's work, you can find her at Found Studio Paris on Instagram or Facebook. Of course, you know me, Claire of Claire She Goes. I'm available via or.com, Instagram, Twitter, etc., etc. Have a great day.